0: Hello, hello, you're listening to the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I'm your host, Joanna Cifredo.
1: And I'm your host, Rebecca Kling.
0: On today's episode, we're taking a deeper look at pretty privilege and the intersections between pretty privilege and passing privilege.
1: On our last episode, we started chatting about Janet Mock's recent essay in Allure on pretty privilege.
0: Side note, if you haven't read any of Janet Mock's pieces in Allure, Get Involved Kids, check out her bi-weekly column, Beauty Beyond Binaries, available now at allure.com.
1: The trans pacific Partnership is not sponsored by Allure, and no promotional consideration was provided for this episode.
0: That was cute. You totally nailed it.
1: Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And now, for our feature presentation. In her recent column about pretty privilege, Janet wrote, People who are considered pretty are more likely to be hired have higher salaries and are less likely to be found guilty and are less likely to be sentenced harshly. People who are pretty are perceived as smarter, healthier, and more competent, and people treat pretty people better.
0: Now we know both beauty and general attractiveness are subjective. What I find hot, you might not.
1: I do like a good rhyme. I think that's gonna be the slogan of our dating show. What I find hot, you might not.
0: (laughs) Right because not everyone agrees on what it means to be pretty. But when we discuss pretty privilege, what we're talking about is those who fit into or are closer to popular culture's idea of beauty and the privilege that it gets as a result.
1: Janet also writes, Pretty privilege is conditional and is not often extended to women who are trans, black and brown, disabled, older, and or fat, which is another way of saying that we all live intersectional lives and very rarely are we only privileged or only oppressed.
0: Unless I can't guess size 11 at DSW, that's 100% oppression.
1: The oppression is real.
0: Passing privilege for trans people, when a trans person isn't seen as trans by other people, is similar to pretty privilege in that both pretty and passing privilege can lead to more opportunities. Similar to instances of racial passing, passing for trans people has historically been rooted in survival. Passing as cis makes it easier for trans people to get a job, find housing, avoid harassment, violence, or worse.
1: Passing for trans people can level the playing field, meaning we can move through the world without the added discrimination of being visibly trans. Because being visibly trans can bring discrimination. But passing privilege doesn't necessarily mean that life for those trans people will be easy, because people can simultaneously experience privilege due to one part of their identity, and oppression due to another
0: this reminds me of a conversation i had with my mom one time at a previous job i worked with a trans woman and my mom asked me is she pretty is she passed almost as if they were synonyms and i said well she she passes you know we've gone out we haven't had any problems but she's not what people would consider traditionally attractive and my mom was confused she said does she pass is she pretty si o no and i said well you can pass and not necessarily be considered pretty.
1: And we should say, we're using the phrase passing because it's well known. And when we use this term, it means for a trans person's ability to be viewed as cis. But the language of passing is also problematic. It reinforces the notion that trans people aren't who we say we are, or that we're only pretending to be our true gender. And worse, the language of passing can imply that trans people are actively trying to trick people or mislead others and this idea even goes so far as in legal defenses when someone is violent against a trans woman they'll say that they were tricked or that they were deceived by the trans woman and that justifies violence
0: more broadly the opposite of passing is failing and it's kind of a mean way to talk about someone who doesn't meet cultural expectations around gender but because the word passing is widely understood we may use it in this discussion even if it's not the perfect word
1: Passing is also just a lot easier to say than being perceived as the gender with which you are presenting rather than the gender you were assigned at birth. Now, I have heard some people use blending instead of passing, as in blending into the world of cis people, and I sort of like that, but it's not super common yet. Um, We may use that too.
0: That should be all the background you need for this conversation. Janet is arguing that pretty privilege is an often unexamined way that some people in our society are given unfair or unearned advantages. Rebecca and I both agree with that broad idea.
1: We sure do.
0: So we aren't really going to debate whether or not pretty privilege exists.
1: If you want to understand more about the idea of pretty privilege, feel free to hit pause and go read Janet's piece. We'll be here when you get back.
0: All right, everyone all caught up? Good. So Rebecca, I've heard you say that you think I experience more pretty privilege than you do, although we both experience passing privilege, meaning most people don't assume we're trans when they look at us. What have you noticed differently in the way I am treated that is different from your experiences?
1: We both generally pass, and I don't bring up the idea that you have more pretty privilege than I do as a way to call myself not pretty. I'm not trying to call myself ugly. I generally like my body, usually most of the times. And and on good days, I do feel truly pretty, but in many ways you are closer to sort of our cultural ideas of beauty. You're thinner, you have bigger breasts than I do, you have a curvier figure, and you're better at sort of prettifying yourself than I am. You're more skilled with makeup, you know how to do your hair more than I do, and you have a better eye for clothing. Speaking of which, we need to go shopping And double speaking of which, I literally, on my bed right now, have clothing that my mom sent me. So after we're done recording, I need to try it on and you need to tell me if it looks good or not.
0: Sure. The only thing I like more than shopping is shopping with someone else's money.
1: So, because you have all of those both skills and sort of physical characteristics, all of that means that you get more male attention when we're out, People look to you more in social situations where people get dressed up like parties or galas or dances. And going with Janet's idea that pretty privilege means that there are certain ways that people move easier through the world, I do think you have more pretty privilege than I do.
0: I'm absolutely not going to comment on whether I'm prettier than you. That seems like a lose-lose for me. Latinas do do it better. Hashtag Latinas do it better. Congratulations to Miss Puerto Rico. I've been thinking a lot about experiences of coming into Pretty Privilege. So for me, my experience was similar to Janet's. I was raised as a very feminine boy in a predominantly Latino community. Most of my upbringing consisted of being bullied, being called all sorts of homophobic and transphobic epithets. My father consistently policed my femininity, which ultimately led me to have a recording of him telling me, don't sit like that, don't walk like that, don't hold your hands like that, don't talk like that. And as I embarked on my medical transition and my body became more in line with my inner self, I noticed that the comments that were being yelled to me on the street, the looks I attracted, the attention I received, the treatment I garnered, began to take on a different form.
1: I think what you're talking about about the sort of street harassment is interesting because it sounds like you were getting street harassment before you transitioned and you were getting street harassment as you transitioned and after you transitioned but it was sort of shifting from people seeing you as a too feminine or gay male to an attractive woman.
0: True. And so, a quick side note, I actually wrote a whole piece on my whole love-hate relationship with street harassment. It's available on joannasufredo.com, where I actually go more in depth. So for me, at first, I didn't know exactly how to respond to this shift it was hard for me to, like, figure out if the looks or attention I received from men was genuine or if they were simply just trying to clock me.
1: What What is clock, you mean?
0: So, clog is a term that trans girls specifically use when someone can tell or notices or identifies you as trans. So... For me, I just didn't know if they were just trying to figure out whether I was trans and try to make fun of me. I remember going out with my girlfriends and I'd be approached by men and I would respond abrasively because I was sure that they had placed some sort of bet with their friends.
1: Because you couldn't believe yet that they saw you as an attractive woman. Yeah. Hmm. Thinking about our transitions is interesting. I had a relatively smooth transition. I was working at a supportive job. I was living with supportive friends. I had a family that was both emotionally and financially supportive of my medical transition. But there were also things like I drove to work and I predominantly dated women, which meant that two big forms of potential harassment or negative attention while being sort of out in public walking or on public transportation or with dating weren't things that I was generally experiencing. I think that shielded me in some ways from some of the nastiest comments or public interactions. And when thinking about sort of pretty privilege, I sometimes wonder if I'm in like a Goldilocks zone of pretty privilege, meaning that I'm not. Too pretty, but I'm not not pretty. Wait, what do you mean? So the Goldilocks and the idea that like, this one's too big, this one's too small, or this one's too hot, this one's too cold. This is the story of Goldilocks and the three bears. And I feel like I'm in this narrow range where I'm tall enough and big enough that I'm not easy to physically intimidate, but I'm not so tall or large that I get comments from strangers about my height or my weight.
0: It's funny you should mention Goldilocks, because I feel like that's the perfect example of pretty privilege.
1: What do you mean?
0: Ain't no one but a pretty white girl gonna get away with breaking and entering, eating someone's food, and falling asleep in their bed.
1: Ah, uh, to be white and blonde in a fairy tale. In America. So I feel like that really naturally leads to sort of the key question of, do you think you experience pretty privilege?
0: Absolutely. I think I'd be lying if I said I didn't. For me, it's little things such as like free drinks, having my metro fare waved, doors being held open. Wait,
1: how do you get your metro fare waved? It's like an automated thing.
0: No, but there's been times I don't have money on it and the station manager will just wave me through. Or I'm on yes. the bus and I don't have money or I'm going to put money on my card and the bus driver says don't even worry about it. And that happens quite often.
1: Yeah, I would agree that that is... that's a, Actually, I think that's a really good example of pretty privilege because it feels like this very low-stakes thing that at the same time most people aren't going to get.
0: True. Also, like, being given seats on the metro or the bus. However, I've also often been judged by my looks, as most people are. I noticed that most when I meet with offices on the Hill or with government bureaucrats, mostly men, I found that whenever I don't pretty myself up, I often don't get listened to, but when I do pretty myself up, I get listened to, but I rarely get heard.
1: See, I feel like I'm able to lean a lot on white privilege and the privilege that comes with formal education. So I can certainly think of times that I've been ignored or dismissed for being trans, but I also am am generally comfortable with sort of speaking bureaucracy or speaking um, obnoxious educated bullshit language that lets me connect with people even if they want to dismiss me in ways that um, have to do with other parts of my identity. That said, I'm sure that there are times that I've been dismissed that I haven't realized that came from how people saw me as a woman or how people saw me as a trans woman. I also sort of imagine that some of that just comes from having a performance background that, like, I'm very comfortable projecting and being an actor!
0: Because you're a drama queen.
1: Yes, because I'm a drama queen. All of this makes me wonder how the experience of transitioning for trans women is similar or different to what I've heard a lot of cis women talk about, of how their bodies changed during puberty and having the world treat them differently because their bodies were seen as more adult or more sexual.
0: I definitely think one of the commonalities is experiencing a body change and trying to figure out how to respond to being seen differently by the world. For example, girls whose body changed during puberty or who have lost weight might have experiences similar to trans women of having to relearn how to maneuver through the world. On the other hand, girls who grew up being seen as pretty, who grew up as pretty teenagers and became pretty adults, have more experiences moving through the world as a pretty person. They're, you know, they have much more experience on how to respond to that.
1: There's also a huge difference of the experience transitioning depending on the age of the person who's transitioning. Someone who socially transitions at, you know, 4 or 5, goes on hormones at 12 or 13, they're gonna have a hugely different experience than someone who transitions in their late teens or early 20s and is looking to undo a lot of those changes from puberty through medical transition. Similarly, that late teens or early 20s transitioner is going to have a different experience than someone who transitions in their 30s or 40s and different again from someone in their 50s or 60s or 70s who's transitioning.
0: So it feels like it could be a whole episode in itself.
1: We also haven't really touched on how pretty privilege does or doesn't impact men or non-binary folks.
0: Yeah, we definitely need to continue this conversation with some trans men as well as some folks who are non-binary or present more gender non-conforming.
1: For now, let's end on this. In progressive spaces, we talk a lot about dismantling privilege, dismantling white privilege or male privilege or other types of privilege. So how do we dismantle pretty privilege?
0: Well, I think pretty privilege does feel different from race and gender privilege because we have more control over how we pretty ourselves for the world with things like makeup or clothing. But it doesn't mean it's okay to ignore pretty privilege or pretend it doesn't exist. Speaking for myself, I was often bullied growing up, and as I transitioned, I became more aligned with social expectations of beauty. That may have solved my own personal problem, but it does nothing to combat the negative treatment aimed towards others.
1: And are we rejecting pretty privilege when we receive it?
0: Are we pushing back against shitty TV shows or movies and spending our money on entertainment that doesn't reinforce pretty privilege as a given?
1: So, Joanna, I think this means you might not be able to accept those free metro rides anymore
0: girl. That's reparations.
1: Reparations for what?
0: (laughs) For Latinas only making 55 cents on the dollar.
1: Alright, that sounds like a good place to end this discussion. For now, at least. You can tell us how you experience Pretty Privilege by commenting below, posting to Trans Specific Partnership on Facebook,
0: or by connecting with us on Twitter and Instagram, at Trans Specific.
1: Catch you soon!
0: See the pretty girl in that mirror there? What mirror where? Who can that
1: attractive girl be? Which? What? Where? Who? Such a pretty face, such a pretty dress, ooh, such a pretty smile, ooh, such a pretty me. Such a pretty me, such a pretty me, such a pretty me. I feel stunning, I feel stunning, I'm and, stunning. and then prancing, and then prancing, like, like running. In the last episode, we started talking about Janet Mock's essay in Allure on Pretty Privilege.
0: Oh, you didn't say let's get started.
1: I didn't want to say let's get started. <laughs>